We've been speaking this last couple of uh, weeks about a series called Reach and Build, and it encapsulates some of the heart and the vision that God has given this house from its very beginning to reach people, build lives, build Christ-centered lives, and to encourage people to come along for that journey. We truly see this as an everyone church. This is not a church that distinguishes between um, you know, uh, genders, but distinguishes between uh, in the form of that you know, one gender is more important than the other gender, uh, distinguishes between races, that one race is more important than the other, the other race. Also not between ages, but generations, that one generation is more important than another generation. We're a multi-generation, multi, uh, uh, what's the other one, multicultural church that truly tries to be an expression of heaven. How many of you know that that guy that you don't like from that other church, he's probably going to end up in heaven with you, and you're going to have to shake his hand one day <laughs> and say, that was just darn stupid. <laughs> so why don't we just do that right now, right? Um, why don't we get over little things like that and build something that displays the kingdom of God, that puts on display the big-heartedness of God, the truth and the love of God. Um, I think that there is sometimes an overemphasis on one or the other. Uh, you know, just the truth without the love can be real dry and, and, and hard. And, and love without the truth can be unstructured, and there's no movement to jello, except a little wiggling, right? Uh, but we want structure as well, and we want the truth of God that guides us. And if you put those two together, you get, move, you get momentum, you get movement, and that's what we want. We want to see God's movement in this area, right? We want to see the kingdom of God expand through what little bit we're bringing to the table, and each and every one of us have something to add to that that is going to make an incredible difference in our community. And so we're just excited about what God is doing. Um, and in the meanwhile, we're busy preparing uh, some physical things, some physical spaces and places that will allow us to keep doing what we're about. We're not about those things. Those things are serving us. They're meant to augment what we're about. They're meant to amplify what we're already doing. If we weren't doing anything, there would be no use for that. And if we weren't growing, we could have just stayed here. But thank God we are growing. And thank God that His Word is transforming lives and giving people hope and giving people joy and peace. And um, as it does that, the need often uh, develops for <laughs> some larger spaces. And that's what Chuck was referring to earlier. I'll say a little bit more about that um, as we go on. But today I want to talk sp specifically just about, um, you know, just looking on over the, the history of this church that my family and I have had the privilege of being involved in now for um, for four years. It's more than four years, but my wife will chastise me if I say five. So it's going to be four years moving forward. I usually work to the, to the next goal and back, but she wants to have the first year and moving forward. Anyway, between four and five years, we've been here. <laughs> and I'll be saying that for about a year, and then I'll switch to between five and six. <laughs> we've had the incredible privilege of being involved in this family, and we've seen God just do incredible things in people's lives. The thing that you, when you come in, in, in ministry, you, you see a lot of things happen. But you know what you also see? You see people not respond to the Word of God. 
and try to do it their way. And unfortunately then, it always ends in destruction. Like I can hardly mention a time when somebody has, has not done things God's way and it did not end up bad. Um, <laughs> it is so hard for us as pastors to see that because you're, you're trying to motivate people to do things God's way because God's process produces God's product. Um, you can't think that, you know, the end will justify my means and that, you know, if you do maybe end up in some formal way producing something good, that that made the unholy process that you went to get there okay. It does not. The God of the pro- product is the God of the process. And for him, for the product to be holy, the process needs to be holy. Um, and, uh, and he wants to be Lord of it all. He wants to be Lord of every step we take until we reach the final destination, which is eternal life with him. And so um, it's very important that we get our worldview correct. Um, there used to be a time when Christians were very Christian in their mindsets. And then the church globally moved away from that to a time where personal relationship with God became such an emphasis that people became Christians in their heart, but they stopped thinking like Christians. They stopped reasoning like Christians. And their brains, their mindsets weren't transformed. And so they were saved, but they thought like, like unsaved people. They reasoned like unsaved people. And, and God wants these two things. That we, in our time, we would tell people, hey, the, the whole, your whole experience of God needs to move from here, drop down 18 inches to here. It needs to, it needs to drop into your heart. You need to have that experience with God. And maybe some of you are still there, that you know about God, but you've not truly been transformed by God. But then there's also some of us who have become so in love with Jesus that we've, our hearts have connected to him, but we think that everything is okay to just stay the same. I don't have to change because my heart is with Jesus. And the Bible brings all these things in perfect balance when it says that God is not just the God of knowing what is right and what is wrong and trying to live according to that. But neither is he the God of just, hey, I can just have this personal relationship with him, but him and me and me and my big dog, we're okay. We don't have to, you know, there's no leadership required. I can just be who I am and do what I am as I see it, and I don't have to align and adhere to his truths. Now, the Bible brings these two things into perfect union where love is expressed through obedience, but it's experienced through personal encounter as well. And so we want to be a church that, that lives in that, that space where there is intimate, intimate relationship with Jesus. We know him passionately. We don't just know him from knowledge. We just don't know, no, not only know him theologically, but we know him experientially. But as we experience him, we understand that there is a requirement for following him. And that is our lives need to start agreeing with his ways, agreeing with his opinions. Where my opinions needs to submit, bow its knee, and accept the leadership and lordship of Jesus over my heart and mind. So I can worship him with all my mind, all my strength, all my soul, all my heart. And this, my whole being is in worship to him. And so that's what it means to build Christ-centered lives. 
And so when we say we want to reach people and build lives and have been doing over this time, really that has been the thrust is to build lives on the foundation of Jesus Christ. When we, when we sing this song so powerfully this morning, we speak the name of Jesus. Why do we speak the name of Jesus? Because the name of Jesus represents everything that the kingdom of God came to bring to us. It's not just this magic formula. No, it's because there's authority, there's reason, there's truth and principle behind that name. That's why it's powerful. So just saying Jesus, Jesus, Jesus don't necessarily shift something. But when you say Jesus and you realize what that ought to bring about in my life, how that needs my mind to change. Now, all of a sudden, my ideas start shifting. My opinions start shifting. All of a sudden, the product of my life starts shifting. I start producing something new because Jesus represents a kingdom. A kingdom represents a government. It represents a, um, uh, an authority, right? A kingdom is authoritative. It has authority. And whoever becomes involved in that kingdom must come under submission to the king. But then we also get all the great benefits of being in the kingdom, being citizens of that kingdom. We get the protection, we get the provision, we get the joy, we get the culture of that kingdom. And all of that is what is behind the name of Jesus. And so when I say I speak the name of Jesus over you, the name of Jesus represents healing. The name of Jesus represents provision. The name of Jesus represents life. That's what I'm speaking over you. And so when we call out the name of Jesus over our families, over our children, we're saying, Jesus, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth in my situation as it is being done in heaven. Right? That's why it's so powerful. But that's why it's so important that we build on him and not on human kind of understandings of what church need to be, what Christianity need to be. He gave us the blueprint and we adhere to that because he is ultimately building his church, right? God is building his church. Matthew 16, 18 says the following. Did I, did I get my Bible? I want to, I want to read some of these scriptures from my Bible. How many of you have your Bible with you? We forgot to do our confession today. We'll go without that one for today. Bring out your Bibles. We're in Matthew. Matthew 16, verse 18. We value the Word of God. I value the fact that you are physically spending time in your own Bible. So bring your Bible to church so that you can make notes in it, so that you can remind yourself of things that the Holy Spirit is whispering to you while we're talking so that you can remember these things as you read through it in your private time with them as well. Matthew 16, 18. Jesus just had an incredible moment with one of his disciples um, where his disciple revealed, Peter revealed, to him, revealed that he understood, that he have caught what, who Jesus is. That he was the Christ, the Messiah, the one that would come and usher in the kingdom of God. Um, and, and, and Jesus says to Peter in response, his name at that time, Simon, he kind of gives, gives him this nickname. And by, from that time on, he would be known as this, from, uh, uh, of this name. He says, I'll tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. 
and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. A couple of things. Didn't say that he's going to build his church on Peter, the person, but on the revelation that he is the Christ. That he is the Christ. He is the son of God. He is the one that brings in the authority, the kingdom, the governance, the rule, the will of God onto this planet. That is the revelation that he was going to build his church on. And that the church would take that revelation and implement that into the rest of the world. See, the kingdom of God is meant to spread across this nation, across this world. And it's meant to bring transformation wherever it goes. It's meant to make earth's systems operate like heaven does. Starting with this system. Spirit, soul, and body. And so when we're, when we're calling the name of Jesus over people that are trusting for healing, we're doing so because we want this system to align with the kingdom. And that's why we're contending for it. It's not just because we're selfish and we want good things for ourselves. No, it's, the, it's heaven's will that every part of us would align with the will of, of God. And so we have the right to stand for these things that Jesus' blood purchased for us. And we can stand in faith and, and, and contend for that and trust God for it to manifest. But he says, I will build my church. Who's building the church? God is building the church, right? Jesus is building his church. Whose church is it? It's his church, right? So <laughs> we have to take ownership because we are sons, but we do not have ultimate ownership. We have somewhat delegated ownership. He is still the, the founder of this organization called the church, capital C, big global church. But the beauty is that each and every one of us get to be a part of an expression of that global church, um, which is led by him. He is the head and he has governance in place for his global church. But the only way we can express and we can live in that expression is by being a part of a local church. I've heard people say this to me. I am the church. And, and, and actually you're not. We are the church. I can never be church because by definition, by Jesus' definition, church is always a gathering. Always. And it's not just a gathering, it's a gathering with leadership and purpose. Until you have those three things in place, it's not church yet. It's Christians representing church, but it's not church yet. And so that's a teaching on its own, but I have to mention that because that is what Jesus is building, and we ought to be building the same as he is. He's not building without leadership. He's not building without gathering. He's not building with, um, what's the third one? Um, purpose, right? We don't get to define the church's purpose. The church's purpose is there to continue the work of Jesus, which came to seek and save the lost and everything in between that's required to do so. And so uh, all of this thinking brings us back to that original idea that Jesus is building his church and we're partnering with him and participating with him in the building of the church. But the beautiful promise along with this is that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so, y'all, I believe in a victorious church. I don't believe in a church that has to run away. 
I don't believe in a church that has to hide. I don't believe in a church that has to be afraid of culture and remove itself from culture. I believe in a church that needs to insert itself shamelessly into culture and show a better way. I believe in a church that is being built by one who cannot fail. And throughout our maybe small failures and our inabilities to do things perfect, he is still, like this one friend of mine always said, he's still hitting a straight shot with a crooked stick. He don't need a nicely veneered and, and, and rolled out, you know, baseball bat to hit a home run. No, he can take whatever stick, whatever branch that he is choosing to to graft in, he can take whatever that is and still bring his kingdom, still accomplish his purpose through you and my, through our lives, through our imperfect attempts to avail ourselves to him to do a perfect work through us. But it's as we allow him to do a work through us and not come with all of our own ideas and impose that on him. This is how it ought to be. But allow him to tell us how it ought to be and come in alignment with that. That this beautiful thing called the church is built that transforms places. First and foremost, this place. Second, around me places. Third, macro scale. Start changing the culture of a city. Start making things look like heaven. We've spoken about how the kingdom of God needs to find expression in physical things. Like how we, how, how we keep our yards is an expression of the kingdom. How we manage our households is an expression of kingdom that's inside of us. However much of kingdom has managed to manifest inside me is what I start showing to the, is, is what I start expressing outside of me. And this is not a judgment because I know that all of y'all are in the process of that expression. But how many of you know that we're working against a decaying force on earth? Things go wrong. The enemy has its way. And then we have to come with faith and with patience and with endurance to see the kingdom of God reestablished. My wife always says there's two things that will never leave you. The Holy Spirit and laundry. Every week your house falls apart. Every week we lose control over our house. And then at one point we have to go, oh, stop the bus. <laughs> this ship ain't going nowhere until we've granted some order here again. And then everybody's rallied. Kids, go clean up all that mess. Dad, go do this. Go. I didn't get to mow my lawn this weekend because, because the rain. Now it's going to be a mess. It's gonna be, I'm going to have to find a time. This, this world just, just works against the kingdom of God, wanting to establish that order and tries to always just bring in disorder. And then you hear a, 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 a bad tiding of something that's happening and, man, it just takes your feet out from under you, doesn't it? Maybe you've just been running with a little momentum and then something comes like blindsides you and just, poof, you're on your back and you have to pick yourself back up and believe again. One of the biggest mistakes we make in those moments are to blame God for those things that happen. It's not God. God's building his church. And his church is there to make the wisdom of God known to this world and to the authorities. And, and to be an expression of God's kingdom. That's what he's doing. 
He's not trying to go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth the whole time. No, that's the brokenness of this world. And it's the enemy and it's the reality of the curse on this planet that makes these things happen. But you know what? This is the promise of the Bible that we will overcome this world by our faith. And so when you get hit back, fall back, it's fine. You're falling in the hands of God. You can never fall further than the hands of God. He will always pick you back up. But don't slap the hand that's catching you. Why did you do this to me? No, he wasn't doing it to you. He's building his church. It's going to help you recover. It's going to help you stand back up. So that you can continue to partner with him in this beautiful thing that he's developing. This victorious bride that he is that he's grooming for one day when the final wedding bells will ring. And he'll come back for us. But that is what Jesus represents, y'all. And that is what we need to represent. Because doesn't this provide hope for people? Doesn't this make you feel like, man, yeah, we're going to win. We can recover we can stand back up. We can re-engage God's purpose if I've been knocked down. And I can find identity again in him. I can find meaning in my life again. I can walk with security in his love, but also in his definition of me. Who am I? I'm who he says I am. That's the heartbeat of the kingdom of God. is So that you might see yourself as a son of God and a daughter of God that have been given um, that have been given validation and affirmation. And now, once you've matured, been given a job, responsibility, purpose, to start walking with him in building his church. Because we are called to be partners. He says to him, you are Peter. And so what he does is he says to Peter, I'm going to build my church on the rock of the, of, of the fact that Jesus is the king. He's the son of God. He is Lord. But I'm calling you rock so that you know your association is with this that I'm building. I am, I'm likening you onto what I'm building because you are going to be a part of me and I'm going to be a part of you. I'm not doing this without you. Each and every one of us needs to understand this. You're needed. <laughs> You're needed. It's not just superfluous that you are here. It's necessary that you are here. You are needed. And you're needed until the very day you breathe your last breath. And if you happen to find yourself in this space where life is waning, and all you can do is pray and bless people and, and intercede after everybody else, then do that with your last breath. Because that is still your purpose until the time that you Transition to the next season of your life. Don't ever think that it is, there is a complete like uselessness of my existence. While you're still breathing. While you still have mental faculties to your availability. Even if you are incapacitated and unable to communicate with this natural world, but your spirit is still able to be present and understand what's going on. Even though sometimes I believe people outside might think that you don't, you don't know where you are. You don't know who you are. I believe that inside that person is a spirit of God. That is eternal being that is being held together by God's purpose. And that purpose person is still valuable because we don't know what that person is doing 
on the inside of that incapable body. Yo, let's start seeing this world a little different from what we've been experiencing it as. There's so much greater capacity in our hearts and minds. And let's bless this world with our purpose, with our, with our abilities, whatever we have to give, even if it is just thought prayers, we can still contend for the kingdom of God and for God's will to manifest and partner with him in the building of this church. It feels to me like I have no idea where to go to from here. <laughs> think let's read first Peter first Peter 2 says the following Verse 4 says, you, as you come to him, a living stone, talk about Jesus, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. Verse 5, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You yourself are being built into, as a living stone, the spiritual house of God that is meant to be a holy priesthood that offers spiritual sacrifices that are accepted to him in Christ. Every single one of us are like a living stone. And I don't know about you, but if you, behind those little beautiful curtains, don't y'all think we have beautiful curtains? <laughs> behind those beautiful curtains are actually a brick wall. And every part of that brick wall carries a little bit of weight of this whole structure. And God's desires for each and every one of you to be built into this house, into his house first and foremost, and then to find a local house where you can be built into as a stone that carries a little bit of the weight of upholding this spiritual house from which there will be worship, from which there will be the, the, the activities of the priesthood which is to, to minister to the people the, the will of God and to bring sacrifices of praise. I'm not the priest of this house. <laughs> That's another teaching. We're all the priest, priesthood of believers. And so God wants to build this house, this church made of people that have willingly being led by him to be built into this house. So that you can form part of his, his purpose of, 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 of fixing this world. Of bringing his kingdom into this world. So how do we partner with God to build this amazing church? The first thing that we bring is we bring our hearts. We choose to devote our hearts to him. That's the very first thing you can do 
If you've not made a decision in your own in your own person to bring your heart to Jesus and to say to him, Lord, here is my heart. I entrust this to you because I believe in you. I believe who you say you are and I believe you did what you did for my sake so that I don't have to go through the same excruciating separation that you went through from God. I believe you did that on my behalf. I'm talking about the death on the cross. And his eternal and his separation from God momentarily before he took back his life. I won't have to go through that because I believe you did that on my behalf. So I bring you my heart. I entrust my eternity to you. I will trust you and what you say in your word about me. And I will believe that you are my savior, that you are my Lord. From now till the day that I meet you in person. Jesus said to Thomas, you are blessed because you believe, you saw and you believe. But more so will those be blessed who did not see me physically. Yet on account of this word, believed. God wants to bless you. But it starts with you that believes on account of his word. Devote your heart. Devote your life. Devote your mind to him. And then to, for us to devote our energies to him, to devote our, our, our resources to him. And when we're talking about resources, we're talking about every single gift, ability, talent that you have received. To partner that into his kingdom. If you're a good speaker, to make sure that you speak the truth of God. If you're a good servant, to make sure that you serve people with the love of Christ. If you're a giver, to make sure that you give beyond what you can ever understand why. To honor him and to help other people to see the goodness of God. If you're a leader, to, to step into places of responsibility and take charge and take um, the initiative. To bring things to Christ, to bring things to, to, to understanding what he wants it to look like and lead people in that direction. If it's to guide and to, to encourage people to, that you would do that with, with his purposes in mind. And, and, and what God wants people to get into and, and understand to, to encourage people along those lines. But that's what it means to be devoted. is to bring every part of my ability into partnership with him. With his kingdom. We say to be all-inclusive, bring your time, your talents, and your treasure. And offer that in devotion to God. It's amazing how when we do these investments, that it, it, we're guaranteed to see an eternal reward on return on investment. The seeds that we sow that point people to Jesus, I believe at some point, manifest in those people becoming saved, becoming born again. The second thing I think we do is, is, is we ask God, what does he want of us? David wrote a song in which he said that, uh, or not a song, he made a statement when he was buying a piece of land. Um, and people wanted to give it to him for free. But he was going to use that land, that area that he bought, he was going to use that to build an altar to worship the Lord at. 
And the people wanted to give it to him for free. And he said, no, 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 I can't accept this for free. Because I will not give to the Lord something that costs me nothing. I will not give to the Lord what costs me nothing. And there's a principle in that of personal sacrifice, being willing to lay aside things that you hold dear and find precious for the sake of God's kingdom, for the sake of God's will to be done. You know, God called on Abraham to sacrifice something that was so dear to him. But through that, Abram received such life. I'm talking about when in Genesis 22, you know, God called on him to, to go to the land of Moriah. And he showed him a specific mountain. And that mountain became very significant because that became the mountain on which Solomon eventually built the physical temple. Abram called that mountain, the mountain where the Lord provides. God replaced the son that he asked him to sacrifice with a ram so that he might receive his son back to life. Through providing for him. When Abram called that place, the Lord will provide. God is faithful. When we give to him, he always gives back more. He always gives back more than what we can ever imagine that we gave up. <laughs> I'm working through something in my own soul right now. Where? It's like I'm, re I'm really preaching to myself today. We, we, we need to realize how faithful God is. That if he does ask you to give something that you did not necessarily think that would need to be given. That you would do that. Sometimes it's a comfort. Sometimes it's a, it's a service. Sometimes it's whatever it is that the Lord is calling you. Sometimes it's an idea or a dream. Giving what you hold dear that costs you something to God. It's just, throughout scripture, we see how God honors that. God honors that. And I believe the third thing we do is when we, we partner with God by, by really aligning our emotions to what he is asking us to do. An all-in heart. An all-in heart gives willingly, gives freely, gives wholeheartedly that which God asks of us to give. I want to read you a portion of scripture in, in Chronicles. First, first Chronicles 29. And it says the following. It says... Um, David was calling on the people because they were in the process of, 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 of preparing so that his son could build this temple. Um, and he was asking the people to support his son in this effort. And then he made the commitment to say, I'm going to give myself 
from what I have wholeheartedly. And the result was that the people responded with the same all-in kind of heart. And I think when we talk about this Reach and Build series and our heart for our time of preparation, this is just the first step of us starting to establish things that we will occupy in this area. There's going to be multiples more of this happen, not just in Crowley, but in other cities as well. As God graces us to be able to expand and grow. But what it is, is for us to, to see ourselves as a part of this journey. And to not go, oh, somebody else will do this. But to say, I want to be involved in this. In, in 1 Chronicles 29 verse 6, the, the family leaders, the leaders of the tribes, the generals, the captains, and the king's administrators, officers, all gave and led their people to give willingly. And it made the people rejoice over everything that was given because it was given freely and wholeheartedly. Today we're talking about a specific way of giving because if you were here the last couple of weeks, we prepared people three weeks in advance that today we will be receiving a specific offering for moving into the building behind us that we're going to occupy. Um, and we ask people first to go and see the vision that God has called this house to do and then go and listen to his voice on what he wants you to do. Sometimes when you hear the what, you think to yourself, how am I going to do that? And the how sometimes cancels the what. But I want, you to, I want you to just focus on the what for now. What does God want me to do? And say yes to him. And allow him to show you the how. If God tells you what you must do, he will make you able to, be, to do that. He will enable you to do that. You're going to have to apply your faith, naturally. And it's going to take devotion. It's going to take wholehearted approach to say, I want to be a part of this. I want to help see this happen. But this message does not just apply to this moment today. Because this moment's going to come and pass. We're going to move into that building. It's going to be amazing. But what then? Y'all, then we need to keep making disciples. Then we need to keep loving this community. Then we need to keep spreading the truth about Jesus' resurrection. So that people will know that he is alive, that he's real, and that he wants to be a part of our lives. He wants to be a part of their lives. That is the call to devotion. That is the call to wholehearted giving. To personal sacrifice. Not just today's moment. But since we are in today's moment, we've created an opportunity where we're going to today worship God in a specific way. And I've asked each of you to go home and think of what it is that God wants you to physically contribute in the form of finances for us to be able to make this event happen. But lest we forget what this is about, I want to show you a quick video. And after that video, we're going to, because this video is going to anchor the message in what this is all about. And then after that, I'm going to create an opportunity where we're going to worship the Lord in giving today, above and beyond our tithe, 
toward the building project, the legacy fund for this move into our own building. So Alton, go ahead and just play us that video of these incredible friends of ours who have whose lives transformed through the work of our church. Successful family. Uh, I, I had a great career. I was in the you know in the process of having a good career in the oil field. I'd been in the oil field since I was 19 years old, and you know making six figures. And she was at home, had a really good job at home. And we, from the outside looking at everything, was awesome. But from the inside and behind closed doors, it was not awesome. Things were separate. He did his thing, I did my thing. Our marriage wasn't unified. A lot of things uh, came to light in a very short period. There was an affair, we had a, there was an affair that took place and so we, our marriage was about as low as a marriage can get. Uh, we've been just it, really, really bad situations and the guy I was working with said, man, look, there's a, there's a preacher man with a black beard and black frame glasses in Jennings that's just pulling a lot of people. We're sitting on a platform out in the out in White Lake and I get on my phone and, and I just searched church in Jennings. Mm-hmm. The Our Savior's churches were, were they were doing the 21 day prayer and fasting and, and I started watching them and watching them and I was like, man, is this what church looks like? Yeah. So I ended up messaging Pastor Josh with questions. Maybe the first, first or so week in February came down and we walked through the doors and it was just like home. Uh, we were like blown. One of y'all saw us, grabbed us, <laughs> brought us right into the dream team room, like cleared the dream team room out. Pastor Jacob was there. It's the first time I ever met him. And he prayed over me and listened. Pastor Jacob said divine circumstances in his prayer. And for me, it was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, that, that was the day that I gave my life to the Lord. It was March 18th. When I gave my life to the Lord, it wasn't just me raising my hand. I went from a broken man to a restored man in that moment. And knowing, because a whole lot of pain followed that moment, <laughs> knowing that it's not a broken Stephen anymore. This is a restored Stephen. And I can remember me and Alyssa on the way home, we were like, what just happened? <laughs> this was it. It was like, the feeling of we might have found what was missing. The conversations just we had about, you know, being dedicated to attend and like just really go all in with it, we knew that we needed to do something different. We didn't know what that looked like. We didn't know really the dedication it would take, but we decided, okay, if if we're gonna stick this out, if we're gonna make this work, if we're gonna be different and do different, like we're gonna have to go all in. We're gonna have to give it 100%, even when we don't feel like it. The the, the common denominator though is that we were both hungry for Mm -hmm. We were hungry for our savior. We drove eight months, two yeah, hours here, Sunday. sometimes stayed both services, or at the time, maybe it was three services. We're all in this way, like we're coming for eight months. We need to be here. So ended up starting to pack our house up. <laughs> Not even looking for houses yet, but began to pack things in our house and just really trusted God to provide away. I think one of the biggest things that surprised us is maybe we were about two years in to being all in, to coming, like we were living here, serving, doing life groups. And I want to believe we got connected with somebody who, you know, was going through relationship troubles. And our, our initial thoughts were like, why us? Like, what? Yeah. 
why are they being sent our way? You know, we're still in that phase of healing and restoration and figuring things out and learning to do things God's way. And then, you know, all of a sudden, like, oh, you want, you want us to help? Yep. Why? You know, that's the question. Why do you need me? You know? And I think it was just a kickstart of what God wanted to use us for right. and to show that even though you're broken and even though you're still healing, God can still use you. Probably about three years ago, I very clearly heard God say that he was going to be a pastor. But it's kind of one of those things I tucked in the back of my mind and I was like, okay, well then I'll just go ahead and start preparing for that whenever the time comes. And so, and I think I even told you about it. You did. I was like, no way. <laughs> and that was the exact reaction. In summer of, was it 21? I came home and said, you're not going to believe the conversation I just had with Pastor Jamie. And I was like, okay, tell me all about it. This is great. And so he was like, he asked me, what would you think if we offered you a role as a pastor? And I was like, why are you surprised? <laughs> Yeah. I was like, didn't I tell you this two years ago? God told me this would happen. Just knew the why. After looking back at everything that had happened, at where we were, at all we have gone through, and then all the growth that had taken place, like we knew why. Yeah. We have a lot of people walking in the doors, searching for the same things that we were searching for. But we've also got so many that are willing to help in that, that want to see these people know Jesus, that want to see these people get connected into relationships that are gonna be life-changing. Because yes, Jesus is the one that changes our hearts and we have to surrender that to Him, but people have played the largest role in our life. Our girls, I think about how different their life is than, than my life was as a child. You know, coming from broken homes, um, both of us actually, not really having oh, people teach me how to have a relationship with God, but my kids have that now. Like people pour into them, they love them, they show them the love of Christ. And so I'm super grateful for that. Everything has changed in our marriage. I tell people literally the only thing is the same and it's even not that, like is the way we look. <laughs> yeah. there's, there's nothing the same about our marriage now compared to what it was five minutes. Even though we don't have it perfect, God still wants to use us. And it's just us saying yes and willing to be used. Wow. Thanks, Ryan. That is what it's about. That is what we're about. Is seeing people restored, seeing the kingdom of God come into lives. And yes, it does take devotion. It does take us to give up the things that we might hold dear so that we can get the things that God wants us to have. Our perspectives, our opinions, our comforts, our safe places. If God asks you to give something up, it's because He has something way better in store for you than what you currently have. So I want to encourage you today to take that home with you. If you went home and you did pray about today's offering for our building fund, um, I want to thank you. Thank you for bringing this before the Lord. 
If you didn't go and this is your first day here, I want to just give you a couple of things to think through before uh, we facilitate this moment so that you are at ease and that you feel the grace of God for this moment as we who have been in preparation for it do. Nobody here feels coerced to give. I can promise you that. Uh, nobody here is in any formal way guilted into giving. I can promise you that. All we ask is that you've, you, you ask yourself if you want to be involved in this. And my heart and desire is that everybody would be involved in some way. When we move into that building, I want the victory to be yours as well. So I want you to participate in, in whatever way you can. So today we're going to, if you came in, you got a, uh, an envelope. Uh, if you did not get an envelope, I want you to raise your hand right now because we're going to give you an envelope. And then what I want you to do is I want you to take the next two, three minutes and write on there what it is that you desire to give toward this, uh, this next phase, this next season of our church's uh, life. If you're going to give by a check, I want you to use the designation OSC Crowley-Legacy. OSC Crowley-Legacy. Um, and if you're going to give cash, please write on your envelope that you're giving to Legacy. OSC Crowley-Legacy. All right? You do not have to put your name on the envelope if you want to give anonymously. But if you do give a not, if you do um, say who it's from, then obviously that goes towards your uh, giving that at the end of the year you can declare uh, as a part of your yearly giving. Um, and that benefits you in, in some way. And then if you want to do online, I want you to do the same exact thing. As you would use to give, can we have those, um, the, the ways to give slide on? You can use this same ways to give channel and you will just make sure that somewhere in there you write legacy. The reason why we do that is because we keep our running budget separate from our project budgets and we don't want the two to mix so that there can be good accountability. Um, on what we spend on what, but also that we secure and make sure that um, our church's budget is, um, is just safe from being used for, for projects um, so that we can stay healthy financially with all the commitments that we have, the running commitments that we've made. Um, so go ahead and, and, and pray about that. Make something. Everybody, we're going to make the baskets go around for the first time in three years. And uh, whatever you did on your envelope, you can put your envelope in that basket. And then uh, that's going to go toward our legacy fund. As you know, I've said before, um, altogether with our other three campuses, we have a God gap of 300000 If you feel called to give something to the other campuses as well, please go ahead and designate that in a different envelope. Uh, make sure that you have separate envelopes if you want to give to more campuses uh, as well. The Jennings campus is increasing their parking area and they're upgrading their uh, inter some of their internal spaces that have become run down. 
and then the Eunice campus is doing a remodel of their internal space to create more space in their, in their worship area. And then of course we are remodeling the old USDA building to be a worship space for us, our children, our youth, our campus. Um, and uh, what I want to do is when we're done here, um, I want to ask Natalie, is she, are, can we take people through there? If you want to go have a look at the space, it's going to require you to just walk like 100 yards that way. You can open the back door, yeah? And we'll go through the back door and you can go and see what we've done so far. You can spend some time there, pray, and just celebrate with us the progress that we've made so far. Um, and then you'll also see what exactly it is that you're giving to. All right, so um, if you gave during this week and you did not give to Legacy, Okay, if you gave in the weeks prior to this moment, uh, you can call our offices um, and you can redesignate that. We can still make that change. Um, all we ask is that you uh, don't take the money that you used to give to the normal church budget and <laughs> give it to the legacy budget because that impacts our ability to then pay for the building that we're going to be going into. Let's pray together and let's trust God for an incredible time of worshiping Him through this particular way of giving. Heavenly Father, we thank You for all that this church is doing. We thank You for all that You have blessed us with. Father, we commit to being great stewards of the gifts, the treasures that You have entrusted to us. Father, I pray that as we consider how we are to uh, partner with You today in Something that this church needs, our campus needs, a permanent, a temporary, uh, only us facility that you will speak to us about the what that you want us to give. And you will show us the how as we commit in faith to doing so. So right now, Father, thank you that you lead us in committing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I forgot to say one thing, even though we do have this two-month timeline that we're trying to complete this project in, if you'd like to keep on giving after that to Legacy, it'll, it's still, you're still able to. Um, this project is going to be completed, and whenever we have paid this project off, we will start looking at whatever comes next uh, on our land. So if it's something that you feel like, man, I want to give later, maybe there's tax coming in or something like that happening at a later point in time, you still want to give to it, please, that is very much possible. If you want to break it up into different months, anything that you desire to do is possible. Um, just indicate that to us and then we will work that out. All right, 100%. Let's go ahead and do that for the next five minutes and then we'll dismiss. Father, thank you that this seed is received into your kingdom, first and foremost. Your kingdom is an incredibly fertile ground. So we thank you that every seed being sown here today will produce a harvest of provision, a harvest of joy and peace. And Father, I pray that everybody who walks out will just feel such joy and such contentment with having uh, responded by faith to this moment. And we pray that whatever, Father, whatever seed we have as we sow uh, from our church to other projects and other churches and things, that you will multiply that seed and enable us to complete this project successfully. We commit this all to your hand and we ask your blessing on it. 
In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Can we all